Welcome to Behavior Fit Radio, where we talk health, fitness, and behavior analysis. I'm your host, Nick Green. Welcome to the show. Nick Green here of Behavior Fit Radio. Today's episode is a special interview with my friend and colleague, Dr. Shane Spiker. He is a board-certified behavior analyst and recently earned his PhD in clinical psychology um, here at the University of Florida. I've been serving in a role as a an as an assistant director for uh, wellness here in the College of Public Health. And with that being said, we needed somebody to come and speak about health and wellness to our to our students. And Shane has uh, has developed his expertise and uh, conducted his dissertation on self care. So he came to. Gainesville, Florida, here in September of 2019, and delivered an amazing talk um, to the students and staff, all those that were in attendance. And this podcast is is an interview, a wrap-up episode, if you will, of our day's events. And throughout the day, we um, we go over what we did, but essentially, he gave a one-hour lecture. Um, You'll hear about the little technical mishap of the power going out, but um, he gave a lecture. Great. He's a great speaker. Um... After that, we met with some graduate students just to kind of do like a, uh, a wellness roundtable, if you will. We got to understand what it was like to be a graduate student at a major Research One university like the University of Florida. And then um, later in the day when he was here, we, we had dinner with a faculty member who was interested in, in health and wellness. And so we recorded this episode at the end of all of that, and um, we talk a little bit about more than what, uh, what was in the instructions. So we had a good dialogue a nice uh, back and forth and um, I hope you enjoy it here's Shane all right Shane we're gonna go for it so we here live from Gainesville Florida we made it we have arrived we made it let's let's recap the day what the hell did we do oh uh we grabbed breakfast grab breakfast so that was awesome well first you drove from Daytona Florida. okay so I woke up <laughs> I drove from Daytona mm-hmm. uh to Gainesville uh which is a nice quiet drive we I checked into my hotel. We grabbed breakfast. We, re, we are recording from the hotel right now. Yeah, we are back in the hotel recording. Um, we, we did a quick little tour of the campus, and then we went to do my talk. Your talk, that's right. Your talk today on... Self-care. Self-care. For grad students. Grad students. We were just grad students. Like, pretty recently. <laughs> Like three months ago, right? Yeah, we're something re- like that. We are recording in September, so if we do the August, yep, three, three and a half, four months ago. Now we're on the other side, so now we are, we know it all. Yeah, we don't have to worry about self care anymore, right? <laughs> we are good. We've mastered it. So, you came to Gainesville. We talked about self care, and then we took a tour. So real quick, we had a blackout during our talk. Oh, right, right. So, yes. so I got to speak in the dark for ten minutes. So that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. We during breakfast we talked about what makes a good presenter, and one of the key traits that we came upon was how do you react to technical difficulties and unplanned <laughs> as we knew, the power literally was out for fifteen minutes. Yeah, so it was the ultimate tech difficulty. There was mm-hmm. no no audio, no lights, no presentation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but we made do, and it and it worked. Yeah, I thought it was great. The um, it's really interesting to see how. The, I don't know, what do you want to say? How how the students kind of responded to just you just picking it up right away, and it was fun to see. Yeah, I think actually I think that probably went a long way to benefit the talk itself. Like, I think that they 
I think that kind of set everybody at ease to know that mm-hmm. I wasn't panicking about a situation. Yeah. So if I wasn't panicking, then they knew that it was going to be a comfortable talk. Right. So I think that probably helped. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I'm just making an assumption there. Yeah. I think that goes a long way, though, because if you're talking about something sensitive like self-care and, you're, and if you're able to relate on something that happens, you know, in the moment, which it did, I think that makes you, you know, a more trusted, incredible speaker. So. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was a really great way to kind of break the tension or break the ice, you know, for a group mm-hmm. of people who didn't know me. You know? right. Yeah, and that was fun for me as I was getting ready to introduce you because literally within three seconds of me saying, and our speaker today is, and the lights went out, I continued my, <laughs> well, actually, we had to pause and go out the hallway because we were like, okay, we'll make sure the building and everything's safe, but uh, everything was safe, and so I came back in and started my introduction in the dark, and then we talked, and so, Shane, what was your main theme of the talk today? So the main theme was identifying self-care as a behavior mm-hmm. and really figuring out where to start, uh, understanding what it is, and just taking the time to uh, – I think the one thing I said during the talk was uh, start at the beginning, don't start at the end, where people tend to set those large goals and they mm-hmm. don't meet them. Instead, start where you're at and kind of build up some skills around there. So it was, it was really cool because I think that um, a lot of students shared a lot of really – interesting information that maybe they weren't ready to share or willing to share just yet, but they kind of got out of their comfort zone a little bit and people started really defining what self-care or what important things, um, you know, what they identified as important in their life and and important for their quality of life. So that was kind of the, that's where it went. It started with identifying self-care as a behavior and then looking at kind of where to go from there. Yeah, and with, I mean, I think what was intriguing for me seeing your presentation, right, since you did an extensive lit review on self-care, is that self-care is such a nebulous term to begin with that once you look at the literature, we all love operational definitions. There wasn't one agreed upon definition, was there? (laughs) Uh, As of 2011, there were 139. So, yeah, so, which I thought was really interesting. You said 139? 139. Oh, wow, I've been saying 39 the whole time. I stand (laughs) corrected. 139 definitions. 139 separate definitions with six or seven separate aspects identifying who was engaging in the the self-care. So, whether it was the person caring for somebody else, whether it was the person caring for themselves, whether it was the person um, working within an organization. Um, there was a lot of different ways they, they tackled it and who engaged in it. But yeah, there's there's no consensus, I guess you could say, as far as what self-care is. Was there like ever like one really good definition that that you can... <laughs> think about like if we're behavior in us we want to want something that's observable measurable repeatable anything that really any one definition to rule them all uh you know i think that when i was going through my lit review and kind of looking at some of the literature and trying to find a definition i couldn't find anything that stood out i i i've kind of learned to liken self-care to um maybe behaviors like tantrums 
where mm-hmm. tantrum a tantrum in itself is even that term is pretty nebulous but once you start to define it it takes on some shape right so when we look at self-care it's the same thing what does self-care look like and it kind of takes on some shape once we start to define it mm-hmm. so i've kind of started to liken it to that but um again I, there's nothing that really stood out except for uh some of the behavior analytic research which was two studies about mm-hmm. <laughs> about 11 or 12 years apart that were both done on toothbrushing Right, and I think that's interesting because in some way you're bringing your own definition of self-care has to include maybe some type of hygiene element. So you're, you know, in a way you're saying like these are the two things that I would sort of define even after you read 139 awful definitions of (laughs) self-care. So I I don't know, we didn't talk about that before, but I think that's interesting that like – well, I guess self-care, it's got to do something, you know, has something to do with hygiene. And you picked, even though, even if we agreed on one definition of self-care, it's got to include toothbrushing. You would think so, right? <laughs> toothbrushing, showering, getting right. dressed, you know. I And I think that is what makes it interesting. Because when you look at hashtags, I, and I always go back to, like, social significance. And when you look at hashtags, there's some social media influence there. The idea behind self-care, when you really look at it, is people will say it's a glass of wine or it's going on vacation or it is something um, a little bit uh, maybe manufactured if you're looking at self-care on mm-hmm. online. Uh, and, and people forget things like saying no or setting boundaries or um, simply eating a meal, like not skipping meals during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are also self-care and people don't really identify those because they're not as glamorous to post on social media. But mm-hmm. at the same time, they are parts of self-care routines that people tend to neglect. Right. So when you're talking about self-care, it seems like... I mean, just the phrase self-care, it doesn't really seem like it's going anywhere. But what you're kind of alluding to is, like, if we're going to drink that glass of wine, and you made the the funny joke in the presentation, well, define glass of wine, and you, you know, used your hand to, to measure three feet off the ground as if you're going <laughs> to drink a three-foot tall glass of wine. It's like, okay, well, if you're going to drink one glass of wine and the doctors say that's good, whatever it is, um, really, where is that heading towards like what's the goal right what's the long-term objective when it comes to like caring for yourself is it just the short-term escapism if you will from the here and now and i had a bad day at work or is it does self-care maybe imply that there is some long-term pull and i think that's the question right um when you look at self-care in general and you look at what the impacts are what is the impact of that one glass of wine if that is something that's helpful for you what is the impact of you know going on vacation if that is helpful for you what is the impact of getting a good night's rest which again if that's impactful for you then that's important for you and and we want to look at that so i think that when we start looking at how to uh, maybe define it or even target it or look at it for more research. I think that, you know, we have to start looking at, we still have to go back to what it is before we even get to what those long-term things are. When you look at some of the, the literature in social sciences, which you don't want to neglect, right? Mm-hmm. When you start looking at that stuff, you start looking at the effects of self-care and burnout, right? So when you start looking at burnout and we start defining what burnout is, there are behavioral indicators of burnout, Right. 
things like skipping meals, things like uh, missing appointments, things like snapping at loved ones and, and kind of having some tantrums around that, lower tolerance for delays and reinforcement, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, there are behavioral indicators for that, and I think that if we can identify those behavioral indicators for burnout, then we should be able to identify those behaviors for self-care to prevent getting to those problems. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like self-care then becomes more of, you know, I think of the phrase pursuit of happiness. It may be more linked to like the pursuit of long-term reinforcers that I know if I have too many IPAs on Friday, then that's going <laughs> to lead to a very unproductive Saturday and Sunday, right? Because, right. you know. I'm 35 years old, and (laughs) the body doesn't metabolize like it used to. So it's like, how do you best align things that you know you're going to do in the next three to four days continually for the next couple months to align to something bigger and better? I think that's what we're all really interested in. I'm I'm kind of working on a a new Behavior Fit blog that's going to talk about quantity of life and quality of life and how that's measured in the research, you know. (laughs) Right. Advertising in in blog advertising or in, in <laughs> podcast advertising here, but um, yeah, it's like we're all really interested in the long game, and it seems like you know, self care is about something at least a month or two out. Yeah, I mean more. Yeah, and I think I think that there are when you really look at it and you really start evaluating what self care means, uh, you can start looking at these short term these short-term moments and these short-term behaviors that you can change today um, or these one-off moments that are, are just that make you feel good in that in that time but I think that there are some long-term changes that have to apply too so um, I always go back to the idea of when I was a little I was more overweight I was probably close to 300 pounds at one point in time and I had and to how much do you weigh now I weigh about 220 now okay so big difference yes yeah, huge yeah. difference yeah so um you know, and, and when I got to my lowest, that's about 210. So when I started losing weight, um, you know, I wasn't engaged in any sort of real workout routine or any sort of healthy routine. And fitness is a part of what I felt was valuable for my self-care. Um, you know, going back to longevity of life, you know, I can't live my life at 300 pounds and pretend that that's healthy. So, you know, people can be. But I, I was not, and mm-hmm. I should, and I should, that's an important part, point too. Is like individually, I was not healthy. So, with that being said, you know, I had to shape up some behaviors, some self care behaviors, and one of the things I started doing was yoga, and I started with ten minute increments every now and again, and I started up, moved up to fifteen, and moved up to about an hour of practice a day. But it took some time to shape that up. So it started with small behavior change and turned into a larger behavior change that had some ultimate outcomes for me, which was losing weight and and mm-hmm. getting to be a little bit healthier i have less pain in my knees i have less pain in my back i sleep better mm-hmm. so you know there are some other outcomes that may or may not be directly related to that but i can say that i saw my behavior change as a result of identifying a self-care behavior and looking at the short term and long term yeah so with that being said do you have like your own working definition of self-care since we can't agree with 139 other <laughs> definite or they can't agree with each other so like where are you at with you know defining self-care yeah so i think that when we talk today i think that the main thing was identifying what that was individually right so looking at it from that individual lens for me at the, at the time self-care was about 
figuring out a fitness routine that made sense and defining that. Um, for some people, self-care is defining what saying no is to their boss or to um, extracurricular activities. So I think that the key that I would go back to with self-care and identifying like a working definition for self-care in general would be some, some set of, of behavioral repertoires that directly benefit the behavior um, in some 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 maybe quality of life domain if you want to get into that literature because that literature is out there. But I think that's a key indicator is like, is it improving your quality of life? I don't know that that's as measurable as, say, rate or duration, but I think it's still something to account for when you're talking about those behaviors. Yeah. Well, stay tuned for the next blog and maybe we'll see. <laughs> but uh, I, know I think you bring up an interesting you know, definition of self-care because it's like self-care is almost like the nebulous starting point, an umbrella term, if you will. But then you have to kind of almost prioritize like, okay, we need to then agree on like, what are the next eight categories and maybe we can rank those. So you like went right towards the, the fitness category. So I wanted to be more active and lose more weight. And so, you know, how would that be different than just me calling it like a behavior fit fitness category versus like self-care? Is there a difference? I'm just kind of, you know, asking off the top of my head here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that there's a difference if there is, again, I think one of the outcomes is a benefit to the behavior, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I think that there are domains of self-care. I think that's important to recognize. In the the presentation today, we talked about hygiene specifically. We talked about uh, professional self-care and what that looks like and some professional quality of life. Um, uh, We're getting ready to do a talk on quality of work life soon, um, which I think is going to be really interesting. Um, you know, I think that psychological well-being and psychological health is in mental health is important as well. So there are self-care routines related to that. Um, you know, so I think that when we start talking about self-care, my first, my gut reaction is to go to fitness because I think that that is something that was relevant to me and super impactful for me. But I think that there are other domains that might be more impactful for other people. There might be people out there that are in, that are engaging in poor behavioral practices at work or they their, their quality of work life isn't good. And so now they're not engaging in the appropriate self-care routines there. So I think that there is just – it's when I say it's individual, I think it still comes back to like what is most relevant and mm-hmm. what's going to be the most meaningful and impactful for you at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't, I mean, we don't want to overburden ourselves with another set of, here's eight more categories, and now we need to define, and what do we do with it? But there is some type of, you know, maybe it's a free response type question in an assessment of like, okay, you want to improve your life, your self-care, whatever you want to call it. What what are the three burning things you want to fix the most? You know, people will know, right? It's like, I want to move on to a new career, or my boss is... Um, agitating me and giving me too much work, right? We heard that from our from the students we talked to today. Um, it's I'm I'm overweight and I want to lose more weight because I want to be around for my you know grandkids later. So it's you know I think you know as normal normal typically developing adults as we all are, we can we have a good idea of what what those positive or negative reinforcers are. <laughs> We're not gonna go on that diatribe right now, but. Um, but yeah, there has to be some type of, you know, because the whole point of this, I think, is, okay, self-care, nebulous, how do we define it further, come up with some categories, because then we want to just then, okay, talk more about the fitness behaviors, or talk about the nutrition, or talk about the professional development, and then 
um, ask more deeper questions about that. And so it's just, it's more of like, okay, it's kind of like a steering, you know, strategy of like, okay, it is professional development. What is it? What do you need to do? Like, I'm stressed out and I can't sleep because my CEs are due or whatever it is. Like, (laughs) how do we get you to the CE people? You know, just, just different things like that. So essentially it's like, I'm not asking just for like more definitions. It's more of clarification because, okay, we're going to take this information and then make better recommendations in the future. Yeah. And I think that there is some utility in looking at, you know, because when we say self-care being nebulous, it is a, a, a fairly nebulous topic. But when we start looking at other lines of research or other theoretical orientations, like if you look at um, humanist approaches to psychology, one of the questions that they will ask is, um, you know, what is it? What is your what does your life look like on the most perfect day? You know, what if you had no worries, and no stressors, what is what is the thing that you would do? And I actually ask families that I work with this question. You know, I say on a day that you don't need services, on a day that you don't need behavior analysis anymore, what does your life look like? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a worthy question if you're asking whether or not you're engaging in self-care because I think that will tell you exactly what you need to start working on. Like on a perfect day in, in a perfect world, on a day that you have no stressors, you've graduated with your, your PhD or whatever you decide to do, you're a, a, a famous musician or, or maybe you've published 100 articles and you've changed the field of behavior analysis or you have your own talk show, whatever it might be, <laughs> right? So at the end of the day, what does your perfect life look like? And I think that you could probably start pulling out some so – there's some threads of inquiry there, right? There's some – you can start looking at – how to get there. And maybe those are some self-care behaviors to get you to contact that larger reinforcer, that ultimate outcome that you're trying to get to. I think that that's a, I think that's a worthy question. Mm-hmm. I think what you're bringing up is a kind of an interesting theme that, you know, so for me looking at health and fitness research over the past six years and doing all the behavior fit activities that for me, whenever the term self-help pops up, I also think about more, health and nutrition and more physiological based uh sets you know rep you know sets of repertoires and sets of repertoire just be repertoires you don't need sets of <laughs> repertoires but a repertoire of repertoires but anyway so my point being i think self-care this is just my opinion it seems like it's more synonymous more associated with those physiological improvements whereas i think the points that you bring up in the examples i think that was great were you know, self-care isn't just about the body's improvement, but you want to look at that professional development piece and taking breaks and seeing family members. So I think it's all-encompassing in how that relates to everybody's going to have individual long-term objectives that they want to get to. Like um, in, in, our, in our discussion today during your presentation, uh, I think one of the students, or no, she was a postdoc, she gave up, she gave the perfect example of uh, let's, let's say technology happened over the past five to ten years, and her friends and her used to talk on the phone, but now they just text, and it doesn't seem as personable and fulfilling anymore. So she wants to get back to talking on the phone again, and that's not that's not um, you know weight, weight loss related or physical activity related. It's just it's more of the social fulfillment, the long term objective. And I think what you're the point you're making is what does that look like? And if you don't need us anymore as an interventionist, it's I'm going to talk to my friends on the weekend for an hour or two, and it's going to be great, just like we had, you know, before text messaging was invented. So I think for me, that's the theme that kind of popped up was, you know, self-care isn't just about 
um, you know, health, health and wellness as we kind of define it now, but reaches more to other areas of our life. Yeah, and I think uh, kind of piggybacking on that idea, you know, there was another uh, another person in the audience today that brought up the idea of doing trivia more often. Like that was something that was really valuable for mm-hmm. her. And you know, everybody kind of no, I wouldn't say everybody laughed, but everybody kind of like you know thought it was a, it was it was sweet and it was kind. But I think that what was really great about that was that that was something that was valuable for that person, and they weren't doing it. And that's something that she had identified would benefit her quality of life if she engaged in it more. So we discussed how to get there, and that was a big takeaway. And what we wanted to really have everybody walk away from the the presentation with was how do we get to where we want to be with this? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not doing something you want to do, how do you get there, and where do you start? Because if she wants to do trivia, that's great. But she's also a graduate student who is probably incredibly busy. Um, And, you know, I could tell just kind of having a conversation with her that uh, she didn't really know where to start. I mean, my favorite conversation that we had during that talk was um, her saying something along the lines of like, well, you're going to tell me what to do. Oh, right. Yeah, that's like an interesting thing where, you know, the self-care seminar is going to select those people that are interested in doing self-care things and yeah like you're saying you might you you know people are expecting answers right away and what you're telling them is like i don't have the answers and you have to kind of evaluate what you're interested in and go from there yeah and she came up with a really great goal of trying to figure out which bar to go to to do trivia and that was something that you know she figured out right then and there um so and, and and you know to have the answers for somebody who i don't know i think it's important to recognize that i'm not going to have the answers for you as a self-carer right mm-hmm. i don't know your circumstance i don't know all your values i can help you sort that out i can help you maybe create some behavioral goals around that but i can't select the behavior that's going to be important for you and i think that's one of the things that where we get stuck with self-care is the idea that um somebody else is going to tell us what to do and I think that, you know, I, at the end of the day, I don't think that I have the ability to tell you how to engage in self-care. I'm not going to tell you, Nick, to, to go do something that's important for you if I don't know what's important for you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I th- so I think a part of self-care is being able to self-monitor and recognize, like, um, you know, at the, at the, that, that you are your test subject and you are the person that knows your values, knows all your verbal behavior, and knows kind of where to what's, – what's important for you to mm-hmm. be able to start. So, what do, what do people do then if they come to your seminar, if it's at the University of Florida, or if it's at uh, the FABA 2019 conference, the Florida Association of Behavior Analysis Conference? Maybe it's four of, it's all the same thing, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, what's the, I mean, is there a certain self-management strategy? Do we, are we collecting data on how many times we go to uh, trivia at the bar? Do we, like... What's the, you know, where does the rubber meet the road as a scientist? And I'm trying to actually figure out, like, okay, I attended Dr. Shane Spiker's self-care seminar. Where do do I go from here? Yeah, I think that it comes back to uh, being a behavior analyst about it, right? Let's let's be... Well, let's just work with, let's say, not everybody's (laughs) a behavior analyst, so... You and I, out of a room of 17, were the two behavior analysts in the room. Right. One student said that she took an intro to ABA class at the University of Florida. She said that was, you know, her favorite class, by the way. Um, <laughs> but so for the average person who doesn't, you know, who they're saying, okay, you know, let's say you're in the community at a hospital or wherever, and they, you know, you come, they come, they see your seminar. Okay, I identify these behaviors. Like, 
do they just come to another seminar? Are there more skills that they need? Like, is it just, do I need to write down the things I need to do? Or well, where, where, where do we go? I think that for the average person, the, the lay person walking in, um, my, my best advice to you, anything that has to do with self-care would be to do what's doable. Um, and I think that is a great place to start. So where, where are you going? Where do you start? And with that starting point is what's doable. So, uh, for example, if you are that person that wants to talk on the phone with your friend for an hour every day, if that's what's ideal for you, where are you at now? And if you're not there now, like if you're not at that hour, are you at five minutes? Are you at one minute? Um, and looking at that and maybe starting small, if you want to get to an hour, maybe five minutes is a doable goal per day and starting there. So I, 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 I guess where the rubber meets the road is just figuring out what's doable, what's actionable and, um, taking that long goal, that larger goal and turning it into a behavior. Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned during the, during your presentation that you started with yoga 15 minutes a day and over three months you worked up to an hour. Did you chart and measure and define your goals yeah so you did some charting some data yeah. collection okay yeah right. so i i did that but i was also as somebody who is trained in behavior analysis right that's not a new skill set for me to learn mm-hmm. so as a lay person that may be more difficult if you can chart it please 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 do right. um if you can graph it that will be helpful the data displays will be helpful but not everybody has that skill set so um right. you know so i think it really depends on where you're at with that right. too but it's helpful. I'm trying. Th- I'm just trying to think of you know creative ways on the spot here. It's like okay, if we have an audience of behavior analysts currently or to be or you know I want to do this type of work. It's like okay, well how do I you know do I make a career career out of this? How do I apply my skills to help folks? You know, can I do what you know Dr. Spiker did and you know become proficient and do these things? Like I'm just kind of curious of like what. What could the career outlook be if there is one? Like, do you just see people and say, okay, let's, all right, you're going to go to this bar this week. Don't drink too much, but you're going to play trivia. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, I'm just trying to, just trying to, you know, spitball here of like, you know, is there, you know, what, what's the, what are the opportunities for behavior analysts that are interested in the space to continue this, this craft and helping people? Well, I don't know that I have an answer for that. You know, I think that um, I think that it's really important to start with ourselves as behavior analysts. Uh, there are some pretty clear deficits with behavior analysts engaging in self care. So I think a good place to get comfortable with the conversation around self care would be among behavior analysts, um, mm. or uh, just having the conversation with friends and family and just saying, "Hey, what are you doing to take care of yourself?" Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a great place to start the culture change around right. what self-care looks like and how we do a better job of caring for ourselves and others. Yeah. That's a big piece that stood out to me is when you talked about how self-care, you know, as much as we've been poo-pooing on the poor definitions is that the self-care model comes from uh, nursing, correct? That, so That is correct. Yes. So what nurses are trained to do is take care of themselves first so then they can take care of others. So regardless if you're in behavior analysis or if you're a welder or, or whoever, like you need to be able to take care of yourself so you can do the work effectively because what happens when we're sleep deprived, we run off the road and now we have Tracy Morgan suing Walmart. And, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, that was the first example that pops into my head, which is like, 
That's going to be, of course, a result of larger con social contingencies and the pressure to truck and deliver and all these things. But again, if that self-care isn't a value, probably I'm bringing my organizational behavior management hat to the to the table here. It's like if that's not valued at all levels in the organization, then we're going to see stress and burnout and indicators of, you know, job unsatisfaction and all these things. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the example that I always try to give when it comes to self-care is you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is a, a really great place to start looking at uh, before you start preaching about self-care or telling somebody else to engage in self-care or you doing that yourself. You can't pour from an empty vessel. You can't help somebody else if you are not caring for yourself on some level. And that's what's taught in the nursing model is uh, if you look at Dorothea Orem's theory of self-care, there is the theory of self-care, the theory of self-care deficits, and the uh, theory of self-care within an organization, I believe, is the third one. I spent more time studying this, the theory of self-care and self-care deficits, uh, and, and really what they found was that Nurses were not taking care of themselves. So when they started taking better care of themselves, they started having better patient outcomes. So there is some stuff in that nursing model and that medical model that is important to recognize that we could probably adopt in a professional practice where we are in a helping profession. Yeah. Yeah, that really kind of struck a chord with me because I, you know, I think about things from a more of a health and fitness lens. So if I'm concerned with how well people can move and how good their mobility is and how much physical endurance they might have. So, um, you know, if you're working with uh, populations that's physically exhausting, like this is something that's always come up that my wife and I talk about is like, okay, the job description says you need to be able to lift 40 pounds or for whatever reason, and this is going to be a physically active job or whatever. But using that 40 pounds as an example, right, that's probably been in there because of some OSHA thing 50 years ago. I don't know. It's probably more than likely where it comes from. But when you are, when you are applying for the job, that's never tested, right? That's never tested <laughs> to see if, one, you can actually do it, and, two, if you can actually do it the right way. Right. So when we talk about how self-care can be you know, implemented – you know, I'm thinking about, okay, well, looking at it from this kind of physical activity wellness perspective, if we're not taking care of ourselves to be able to physically perform the duties, that's a whole nother like set of preparations, let alone like, you know, so that's, that's again, that physiological component of like helping the patient, helping the learner, doing whatever you're doing, helping the customer. Um, yeah, it has to be, you know, it's that whole... Uh, what did we say earlier? It's it's kind of the the whole conflict between what an organization says it you know says it's interested in and what it actually does. Right. So. It's <laughs> values and behaviors. Right. Like, do the values match the behaviors? Mm -hmm. And I think uh, you know I think that's I think that's worth looking more deeply at. You know I think that when you want to make sure that what you're doing matches what you are concerned with or what you find valuable. And if you are having a hard time with, uh, say, you know, when you talk about self-care, if you're not engaging in it, but you're telling people about it, like that doesn't really match up and you're going to see poor outcomes for yourself and for people that you're serving. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, it, it's important to be able to kind of take a step and recognize that before you even start implementing or, or considering behavior changes, like mm -hmm. being able to recognize what you're doing that is self-care and recognizing what's important and what you're doing towards those things that are important. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, it's, it's so, you know, I think the biggest thing, like we see these hashtags self-care, 
I emailed you two days ago, and I was like, did you know it's self-care September? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, I didn't know we had a whole month for it, and there's no other S months, are there? No. There's no other S months, so we got self-care September. Um, that, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's it's a thing. People talk about it, so, um, yeah. So, so Shane, you, you came to the university and you gave a presentation you prepared mm-hmm. for it. you i think you did phenomenal i learned a lot thank you what are you know we you know later out throughout, throughout the day we we did a, a graduate student round table where we talked about um you know what are the challenges that they experience you know at the at the student level and then we had dinner with a faculty member later we won't divulge any specifics here but i guess you know on your on your side of the um on your side of the microphone um, you probably had ideas of like how well how the how well this talk would go and what you might learn. So, after having been through the whole day now of giving the presentation, fielding the questions, has there been one or two things that kind of stood out to you that you weren't expecting to learn since you've uh, since you've been here in Gainesville so far? Yeah. So I think uh, spending some time with the students was really important, and I think that that gave me a lot of really great insight on the context in which. Uh, self-care may be a challenge, you know, so looking at, looking at, uh, you maybe the, the, the culture around grad school, um, you know, this isn't, this is just kind of a general example, but here you always kind of hear that, um, if you're not really struggling in grad school, then it's not really grad school. You kind of hear that and it doesn't have to be like that. I think, um, I, I've heard a couple of behavior analysts. I had a, heard one behavior analyst in particular, really describe that well. And I think that was really important to recognize for the culture of grad studies and just hearing kind of how challenging and some of the, the social contingencies that came along with self-care and barriers of self-care was really enlightening to me. Cause I think mm-hmm. that when you talk about self-care, it's easy to be like, you got to start somewhere. But mm-hmm. I think that when you hear that, you know, some students are working for three or four weeks straight because they're interested in their research and, and it is a passion project. So it's not really a problem, but it's three weeks of, of, of straight work. You know, you kind of start questioning, uh, you know, what's the, what does the context look like? And what is the, uh, you know, what, what are the contingencies that are, are supporting that level of, of intense mm-hmm. self care neglect, you yeah. know? And so that was, that was really eye opening for me is, is, is just mm-hmm. looking at like kind of taking that step and looking at like, what are the, what, what's the culture, what's the contingency around self care and, and how are, how are we fostering that in, in students that we're working with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, I'm glad that you brought up just like interacting with the students. Cause I mean, even for me, I helped organize, you know, bringing you in for the presentation. I've been working on health and wellness at the university here in our college and so you have your own ideas, you know, you're behind the keyboard, you're looking at the research, you kind of know what's going on. But as soon as you get in there, I think this is the piece that, you know, I was kind of prying at you earlier about, like, what do we do about it? Like, what makes us so special than anybody else talking about self-care is, like, getting in the environment of the students. And we specifically, I took, you know, we had the presentation in one building and we had the group talk in another building and we got a tour and everything. But actually getting out there and this is kind of like obm 101 simply observing the behavior what's happening is very eye-opening and you you know it's not that you that we cornered students or we're trying to squeeze information out but it's just like when you get out there and you meet people in their environment like you just learn so much and i think like i had i would have never learned for an for example is that a student 
posted a printout that I made and posted it on her desk about health and wellness behaviors um, that she put above her desk, um, you know, probably two months ago. And she never gave me direct feedback that she was going to do this. You know, why would you do that? But, like, for me, just getting out of the office and going around, seeing the people and, you know, getting that information was so valuable to me. Like, you just don't under, you know, you just, you can never plan for the effects that, you know, being a positive influence and looking like how we can help improve each other's lives can have. I'm just like, wow, that was very, that was eye-opening for me. Yeah, so, I mean... And you know those things, but until you actually go out there and just physically go walk out the building and see, it's just like, oh, wow, yeah, that's, you know, that's, you know, I want to take as much data as possible, but, like, you can't, you can never plan to, like, look for printed off pieces of paper. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's that's a pretty specific contingency. So, but, I mean, I think that was, I think that was valuable to see that there are, even just talking about it or or, or sharing resources about it, can be helpful or impactful for somebody who is needing it. And even if it's a small behavior change, it is a behavior change in the right direction. I should maybe shouldn't say right direction. It's a behavior change in the direction that that person is going to possibly improve their own quality of life. And if it means printing something up and putting it up in their office, if it means having a glass of wine, if it means taking a video game break, whatever, whatever that looks like to some degree, as long as it doesn't become a, a, mm-hmm. a, a detriment to that person, I think that there is some really great insight on how talking about self-care can can actually influence other people to engage in it, even if it's indirectly. Yeah, it's the – I mean that's why I kind of pride ourselves as being behavior analysts, that we're just going to get right to the point of let's look at the environment, let's see what's happening, and what are those key behaviors that could lead to – you know, better happiness, you know, improved happiness with your social life and things like that. Whereas maybe other disciplines might get stuck in the weeds of like, well, let's just sit and talk more about that versus, you know, let's just, let's go, go try to do things and see if that helps, you know? So, um, yeah. So I think, you know, maybe Shane will, will kind of close on this idea. So we, you know, we, we went over, you know, kind of your lecture a little bit. We had a big day. We got a big, we have one last meeting tomorrow morning before you head out. But, um, if you were to give somebody advice on self-care and what to do, like how could you, how could you sum up everything that everything that you've learned over the past year or two of your your dissertation and you know all your presentations that you've been preparing? Uh, if I were to sum up everything that had to do with self-care, I would start by by saying um, figure out what you need and take that first step. So that's don't don't worry about getting to the place where they don't worry about finishing yet but but figure out what you need and take that first step because you you've got to start moving in that direction and that's where i'd stop that's it yeah cool so start with wherever you're at look at your own goals move in that direction and uh be patient right i think that's good yeah i think <laughs> right, that's a great so, a great point yeah yeah all right shane we could talk forever but uh thanks for coming on my man thanks for having me i appreciate it That's it for today's episode. To learn more about Behavior Fit, visit www.behaviorfit.com. And if you haven't already, follow me on social media. I'm active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just find me at Behavior Fit, B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R-F-I-T. And look forward to hearing from you. And keep moving.